Hello and welcome to the Unreported World podcast with me, Krishnan Gurumurthy. Egypt's economy has always relied on tourism, but since the army toppled the Muslim Brotherhood in a bloody coup, tourism has collapsed. Reporter Aidan Hartley travels to Cairo to investigate the shocking effects the political unrest is having on the tourism industry. The Giza Plateau is home to one of the seven wonders of the world and used to see 10,000 tourists visiting every day. Now the unreported world team finds it eerily quiet, with the average number of tourists more like 10 a day. Monica Hanna is an archaeologist. She's putting her life on the line to save the world's greatest treasures. Ahmed Abu Zuba and Hima Mohammed rely on showing tourists those treasures to make a living. They're Egyptians from different backgrounds, but they share a common cause. Monica is driving me into the desert. A few miles away, protesters are battling the army. Out here, she wants to show me how the collapse of law and order is affecting the most famous tourist site in the world. Oh, that's pretty amazing. Look, that is amazing. The Giza Plateau, home to one of the seven wonders of the world. The Sphinx and the pyramids are at least 4,000 years old. And hidden under the sands, a network of ancient and unexplored tombs and temples. Until the bloody coup this summer, 10,000 tourists came here every day. Now, there's a different type of visitor. Oh, wow. This is new. It, it looks incredibly deep. In the cities, Egypt's new military government is suppressing protests by the Muslim Brotherhood against the removal of President Morsi. With no one guarding the ancient sites, thieves are plundering their treasures. That's insane. And it looks quite fresh. Then they probably had a car with a rope. And they used the rope to get down. I'm sure they're finding statues, jewellery, amulets. And they'll probably also sell it for a very small price to a big antiquities dealer. The criminals sell to dealers in a global black market. They use high-tech sonar and heavy machinery. This is happening right under the nose here of the government. It's just... We're less than a kilometre from the Sphinx and the Great Pyramids. Look, look at this. This is very fresh. This is possibly from last week. And it's in a landscape that is pockmarked with similarly fresh holes that have been dug, it looks like, in the last few weeks. Monica is preparing to sue the government to force it to protect ancient sites. But her lawyers won't act until she gives them hard evidence of looting from ten specific places. She's racing to document the destruction. Monica drops me at Giza, a once bustling tourist town near the pyramids. 
She's put me in touch with Ahmed Abu Zuba and his assistant Hima Abdurrahman, tourist guides who offer camel rides. The violence means tourists are staying away. Before the crisis, they did a brisk business. 14 million tourists came to Egypt a year. Locals are now using up what's left of their savings. We are just waiting for any tourist to come to have a camel ride with us, but there is also no tourist. That's why we just just a sitting, playing kind of game. When was the last time you had a customer? It's a couple of weeks ago. I mean, a couple of weeks. We did not remember even now. In this town, everybody I talk to blames the Muslim Brotherhood protests for scaring away tourists. Muslim Brotherhood don't like as at all. Muslim Brotherhood we don't like at all. They make the tourists scared to come to Egypt. These people want Egypt's military under General Abdel Fattah el-Sisi to end the chaos. I like Sisi. Sisi is the best one. I like him like a president. He's a good man. I want the tourists to come to Egypt again. And so does Hima. He dropped out of school five years ago to work for Emad. I met him when he's eight years old. He was just sitting in front of my house. But always when he saw me coming by the camel, back to my house by the camel, he's always running follow the camels. Now, Hima, he's 13 years old. Every one of the pyramids, he knows them. Tourists are afraid to come because of the Muslim Brotherhood. There's no work, not like before. The camels used to be strong because they ate well, but not anymore. Hema hasn't made any money for the 14th day in a row. He left school because he has to support his father, who has a degenerative disease. My father used to work at the mosque. Then he started having problems with his legs. He used to walk, but can't these days. When I'm older, I want to get a camel to work with and call him Oscar. I'll be able to look after my family and buy whatever I want. I want to keep working at the pyramids until I'm older. Tourism used to make Egypt £6 billion a year. Ahmad says now people here can't even afford to feed their animals. And all the ponies you can see, they're really thin. Look at this lot. I mean, it's a shocker. But worse is to come. That's the whole stat, bless. God almighty. You see? All right, that is... Oh, my God. I'm not going to move with you inside that... View the, the pictures because I'm so sorry for that view. It's not normal. Look at this. The reality of it didn't hit me, but out here there must be not one but dozens of horses that have died because their owners can't feed them, can't take care of them. Today, if you saw thousands of horses, 
Maybe next month you will see 2,000 of them. The third month you will see 3,000 of them. Many horses will die every day. What is the financial effect uh, on a family that has lost a horse like this? One horse, he can feed like one family. If you are going to scound the horse, how many horses that? It means all of that family, he have no money to live now. Monica is chasing some important evidence for her case against the government. These are the pyramids at Darshur, built as far back as 2600 BC. In more peaceful times, Monica worked on excavations right here. But now, every day brings a fresh discovery of looting. You can see over there, the hill over there is completely dug up. The hill over there is completely dug up. All the surrounding area surrounding the Black Pyramid is completely dug up. Wow. It's unbelievable. You can see all sorts of recent activity here. There are vehicle tracks and footprints. All of this has been happening since the political turmoil in Egypt kicked off. Monica, has this place ever been excavated? No, this place was never properly excavated. Um, it's completely virgin, so we have no clear record of what has been lost. As we investigate the damage, Monica spots a group of men. We'll have to leave, guys. They apparently seem to be digging. The looting is ongoing, but Monica says that she's been shot at by people here in the past. Quickly. They've definitely seen us. They're armed. They will not come to loot while they're not armed. I am very upset. I'm very angry. Please put on your seatbelts. Hello? Monica's phone is constantly ringing with fresh reports of looting. But she's no choice but to get home. The army and police have imposed a midnight curfew in Cairo, leaving the sites out in the desert unguarded. The military has Egypt in lockdown, but despite this, the Muslim Brotherhoods are still coming out regularly onto the streets to protest against the coup that overthrew President Morsi, and the violence has not yet ended. In addition to the demonstrations, there have been uh, grenade and bombing attacks here in Cairo, not the atmosphere into which tourists might want to travel. Monica says looting gained pace under the Muslim Brotherhood, who disliked anything non-Islamic and neglected ancient sites. There were several photos of several sheikhs saying, oh, you have the right to go loot and they can find whatever you, you, uh, you find there. So. This was the attitude. And what did some of the extremists say with regard to the pyramids and the yeah, space? They, they wanted to blow it up. They said these are idols and they belong to a very bad civilization and we have to just blow it up. At home, Monica goes over the evidence she's gathered in the field. She's nearly compiled enough material for her case. We're trying to put enough media and political pressure on the government to take stronger measures at protecting the sites. Tonight, Monica feels she's fighting a losing battle. 
At this hour, looters are out on site with their shovels and bulldozers looking for antiquities. I want this to end very soon. Okay, I'll meet you further down the road. Next day, she gets a call about the destruction of monuments in Ansana, south of Cairo. All these rural sites that we're going to see today are potential sites for tourism. So it's economic suicide? Exactly, yeah. They're shooting themselves in the foot. Seventeen hundred years ago, Coptic Christians cut this incredible network of churches into the rocks. They served as safe havens in times of persecution. Now, they're under attack again. This was not the door. This was an entrance made by looters. You can see here, that's a very recent dynamite hole. It's really a week old, maybe, or less. It looks like they actually already tried to blow that yes. up, didn't they? They think that if they blow it up, they will find treasures, they will find gold. They think the cops here hide their money. It's ri absolutely ridiculous. And uh, this church might not be here next week. We could be the last people to take photographs of the place. Some churches have already collapsed. Thieves have drilled deep into the rock. The looters are digging a very long tunnel, thinking they'll find the treasure. Oh, so this is looters who've been digging yes. this? Yes. It's wow. totally modern. You won't see this site on any of the uh, guidebooks, but it's still of immense value to Egypt's history, and it could, at some point in the future, contribute to a tourism industry that would sustain its people. But instead of that, it's being vandalised by treasure hunters who are moving here with, in here with dynamite. Early Christian frescoes have been defaced. Apart from greed, religious prejudice is also at work. This is Herod the king and the killing of the children of Bethlehem. These are biblical scenes from... Uh... Yes, the faces were hacked out by uh, vandals. At the time of our visit, Islamists are burning modern churches in the nearby town of Minya. The whole mountain here is full of Greek, Ethiopian, Syriac and Coptic inscriptions which have never been documented. Monica takes us to see early Christian graves. Oh no, they've destroyed them all. Some of them were mummified. It's uh, probably a place for uh, church martyrs. And they probably have sifted through all the bones in search for things that they can sell. It's quite shameful. I mean, these people were left here peacefully for around 2,000 years, and just what happens to them. I'd seen evidence of looting on a large scale. But even in lawless Egypt, I can't understand why thieves can operate with bulldozers and not be arrested. I finally get my chance to ask. 
We're following a car with two men in it who've been described to us as looters of antiquities. And they're driving us to a location of their choosing where I'm hoping they'll tell us why and how they engage in this practice of looting antiquities that is so damaging to Egypt. The looter hides his face. Off camera is another man armed with a pistol. I do this because I have no other option. There's no work of any kind. I need to support my family. Are you not scared of being arrested for what you do? There's often coordination between us and the authorities, so I bribe them to let me dig. All eat from the same hand. Everybody takes their share. Doesn't it make you feel bad that you're looting from sites that could sustain a future tourism industry? Of course it's sad. I shouldn't do this. This will harm generations to come, but I need to live. Autumn is usually the start of the high season. Emad and Hima hope that today busloads of visitors might be on their way. But there's been a car bomb in Cairo. There was supposed to be work here, but no one is coming. It's empty. Look around you. There's nothing. Emad is himself now struggling to feed his camels properly. And both are getting sick. The camel was falling over. It was falling down on us. There's something wrong with his legs. It's swollen. Can you have a look? We put oil and salt on the wound. I will take him to be injected today. Emad and Hima have brought their camels to a centre where they can get free treatment. This is a horse hospital, really, and it also treats camels. One of Emad's camels is named Bob Marley. Bob has an infected foot. What can you see? Where is the disease? The infection is here. We'll clean it and check it. The vet Sharif injects the animal with antibiotics. I don't like seeing camels like this. I'm not happy. It's an important day for Monica. She hopes she's gathered the evidence she needs to sue the government for failing to protect ancient sites. I've finished them. I've finished everything. I'll put them on here. She shows her photos to her lawyer, Mohammed Fadil. You asked me to provide a list of ten sites, but we have more than that. 
This information is fundamental. Do you have photos that show this site was bombed by dynamite? Look, you can see where the dynamite was used. In my opinion, this is a crime. Mohammed Fadil has seen enough. He agrees they can go ahead and sue the Minister of Antiquities. We're sending him a warning and no one ever does that. It's a big moment. We have a deal. The people who are behind the looting of antiquities, how do they react to your efforts to close them down? They're very upset. They've even threatened me through someone. What was actually said? This is dangerous for my life. This is how serious the threats I've received. Near the Sphinx, Egypt's tourist minister, Hisham Zazu, is trying to reassure the world that Egypt is safe for tourists to return to. Yet when I speak to him, he accepts that looters have overrun the tourist sites. These are criminals, these are terrorists, because they are attacking uh, uh, the, the, these monuments, and the monuments do not belong to Egypt, they belong to the world, they belong to the humanity. What are you so going to do about it? We are going to uh, ensure that the security levels in these areas will, will be lifted and heightened, and I believe this is a talk that's going between us, the Ministry of Antiquities, together with the Ministry of Interior. Whatever the minister says, it hasn't happened yet. We return to Giza, where in the shadow of the pyramids, we see fresh evidence of looting. We need more political stability and then more efforts as a state and as a government and as Egyptian people to stop the looting. People need to know that what they're doing is basically stealing from the future food plate of their children. They, they just do not realize that. After another day of no work, Emad is taking his camels home. He and his two brothers live in this house with their families. They all rely on the tourism business and there are many mouths to feed. I have my two children. My brother, he has three. My youngest brother, he has three. Plus my mother and my father. 16 people. Plus my sisters. So 18 people living in this house. And then always, we are looking after them. Mm -hmm. If the tourism business didn't come back, what would you do? I have no other job to do. I will try to find any kind of job to look after my family. Ahmad's children have school coming up, for which he has to pay fees with money that he does not have. I need to lead my children's educations. I have to pay fees for my children's schools. Mm. I am one from 90 million persons. We are always waiting for our country to come back again. Monica's mission to protect Egypt's culture has got even harder since we filmed, as there have been more violent clashes. And for Ahmed and Hima, it's hard to believe that tourists will return anytime soon. 
but rich or poor, their stories show the impact of Egypt's political crisis on everyday lives. Our thanks to Aidan Hartley in Egypt. The Unreported World podcast accompanies the critically acclaimed Channel 4 television series. Visit channel4.com slash unreportedworld to discover new Unreported World shorts that explore the facts beneath the stories in the series and our extensive programme archive that can be viewed from anywhere in the world. Until next week, from me, Krishnan Gurumurthy, goodbye. <laughs>